everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of Humans of ID podcast. It is such a pleasure to be able to host students of the department coming from drastically different backgrounds. Um, today we are hosting Maria Jose Lopez Signorelli, with whom we'll talk about transitioning from academy to practice in the field of development. Hi, Maria. Hi, I'm so honored to be here. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Originally from Chile, Maria, who is also my course mate, uh, studies Master of Science in Development Management here at LSE and has worked as a research assistant at the Catholic University in Chile for three years before coming here to pursue her master's. See, she is a sociologist with her bachelor's degree. And as a side note, she is one of the most fantastically organized people I've ever met. Um, if you guys could see Maria's handwriting and how she organizes her weekly agenda in her planner, you would definitely want some organizational lessons from her. Um, so that's my introduction for you, Maria. If, if you wanna uh, move forward, then kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, how can I begin? Well, as you mentioned, I studied sociology and then I was trying to figure out as any sociologist in Chile, what do you do with sociology afterwards? Um, the paths that we had were basically going to the private sector and do market research or do like the, the go to the National Statistics Survey um system uh, basically surveys or market <laughs> mm -hmm. or be a research assistant um and i was trying to figure out how to get a scholarship to go for a master's so that's what that's one of the um, uh, reasons i got to be a research assistant everyone was uh, giving me advice on what to do next and i really wanted to go uh, to study a master's um, that complemented my career. So um, they gave me the advice of uh, basically matching with a professor, working with professors so they could give me a good uh, reference letter. Um, and that's what I did. Um, I, I got to research in uh, Millennium Nucleus of Higher Education, which is basically a research project that does research on student experience and how to improve uh, the academic performance of disadvantaged students. Uh, we developed a very, very big survey um, on how the students live higher education, how they experience it, what are the barriers, what are the difficulties they face in different types of uh, universities, different types of uh, higher education environments. So it was very interesting, very, very insightful. Um, it was also very interesting, like, be, having been in higher education and now being able to study and understanding it mm -hmm. from like theory part mm -hmm. um but i was always like trying to get out of the academia in a sense like i was like getting into the academia to get to know it and then move on to a master's um so yeah <laughs> interesting um i think i had the same type of struggle when i finished my bachelor's degree because there were just different opportunities and I just didn't know, you know, which one fit me best. And then I was also thinking about my master's. So I was trying to understand, you know, what can I do that would also fit my future aspirations for my master's, but I didn't necessarily know 
what exactly was the place or what exactly was the program that I would want to apply for. So, you know, at times it's, I think it's um, glamorized to kind of find a job that you want, find a job that you love. But honestly, there are just so many factors that go into it. As you said, you got into this because there was a scholarship coming up and you wanted to to apply for it. Yeah. I mean, um, it's not to say that I used like the academia as an instrument because I, I really learned a lot in those three years. Um, all of that knowledge has like served me very well in this master, like doing the master, it has been very different than what I expected just because I was in the academia before. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really know when I ended sociology what I wanted to do next and like, I didn't even know if I really liked higher education research. Like I had been doing research on, on jails or, or childhood si uh, protection systems or migration, like nothing to do with education in my whole sociology career. And just like getting to this field that seemed so like close to me because I had just been a student and um, I thought it was, it was challenging but at the same time, it was it, I like I earned so much knowledge of what higher education systems mean. And for instance, now with the strikes that have been going on, like I, I think I have another perspective or another insight on what all of this means, other mm -hmm. than just like being a consumer of higher education. Can I ask you to expand on uh, your research? Was it concentrated on Chile or was it more of a, a literature review general type of thing? Okay, so um, as part of my, my research project, I, I was a research assistant and it was a very, it, it was a very like um, small enterprise in a sense that we had to build it from scratch. The professors had just won uh, the funds for it. So there was nothing before that. So I was, it was me and two friends that had studied together and we just like the three of us got the job. And we just started building the Excel sheets and trying to understand what, like, what do we have to do to make this happen? Um, we had to do all the ethical uh, consideration forms. Uh, we had to build the sample of students. We have to build the research questions. Like literally what we have to do for the dissertation, I had to do it for three or four projects at the same time. Mm -hmm. So one of them was, um, uh, the research question was basically what are the experience or what how, how do students experience higher education in different universities and that required qualitative research so we did 96 interviews on like 50 focus groups of students all over the country it was based in, only in Chile um, so that was one part of the project another part was building this like giant survey that I was telling you about uh, because like each university has like their own way of like rising information from students, but there's there was not like a unified way of knowing what's happening to students in the whole country. So we built this survey and that required um, looking and doing like a literature review of how are the surveys in other countries? How do we translate these surveys into the Chilean context? How do we adapt the language, the slang for the students? How do we make it uh, friendly? <laughs> How do we include more topics that haven't been included uh, so far? And then putting it in an online survey because COVID started <laughs> and 
sending it to all the students that we know, sending it to professors, sending it to uh, the departments of uh, admissions, uh, building the sample. It requires it requires so much job, and then everything turns out to okay. You're gathering the data, the data starts coming to you, and then you have to work with it. You have to analyze it and build the protocols of okay, what's the information that we need. Uh, from the interviews and the focus groups, you have to, of course, do a literature review of um, what are the topics that you're gonna group, how you're, how you're gonna group the information. So your organizational skills are very important if you wanna work in academia because you have so much information to work with. <laughs> um, and then you have to build uh, the 10,000 word article that's called a dissertation or else a <laughs> academic paper. And you have to write it in a now in a more friendly manner because you know when you read an academic article and it's not very friendly for you, you just like read the abstract and forget about it. So you have to go past that, <laughs> make it interesting for everyone, leave the best for the end. Um, and there are so many, so many, um, uh, I don't know, like professors that are giving talks on how to do a good academic article because like everyone's consuming academia now everyone's consuming information so you have to go past this like very elitist way of seeing papers that are like only for those who understand them you have to make them understandable uh, to everyone I, the essence of my job in the past three years <laughs> so basically you had to do dissertations over and over and over again yeah multiplied by 10 <laughs> <laughs> wow so this dissertation should be a piece of cake for you i think Actually, yeah, I mean, not, not a piece of cake because always finding the topic, I think it's, when you go over the topic and the research question, it's true, it's true what Eleanor said in MY410, that if you go past that, everything is very smooth. Um, so I think that's why everyone now of our peers are struggling because not, not everyone is sure of the topic, not everyone is like willing to commit <laughs> to the topics that we're suggesting. And it's, it's very tricky. It's like a, it's like a long-term or medium-term commitment you do with a topic. <laughs> but after you're past that, if you're interested in it, it's, it's, very, it's very smooth. It's a very insightful process uh, to develop it. But yeah. Well, then my follow-up question would be, what was your favorite thing about doing research for three years? I would definitely say that my favorite part was uh, doing qualitative research. It's, it's so much work, but I got to talk to, like, I don't know, it was like, I had the, it was like 300 students from all over the country. And just like, uh, like allocating time to pay attention to their uh, experience and their, uh, what they had learned, what they have, had not learned, what was missing in institutions. Um, how institutions can lead to very different outcomes in students. I think the qualitative research was, was the best part of my work. And I am, I am so glad that I got to do it because like, um, I could have just like chosen to dedicate to the quantitative, like the survey part or literature reviews. But yeah, like if, I think if you're a research assistant, I would definitely recommend that. Uh, starting with qualitative research is a very good way of building this commitment to a topic because then you have like the students that you interviewed and you really want to make their experience better. You really want to make, I don't know, if you go to a remote place and you rise up and you gather data, 
you you know these people you are sort of near to them now and they expect you to do something about their problems that's why they give time for you and they they talk to you about the what's happening to them and then they, then you commit more to the topic that you're researching it's because yeah i have to do something about this and that's very different i think than when you're doing only quantitative research like you you have a more distance uh with the object of study Absolutely. So you would do these uh, interviews in person or online? Yeah, we were lucky. This was the first, first, very first part of the research. So it was pre-COVID. So we got, we just finished the qualitative part and COVID started. So um, yeah, we were very lucky that we didn't have to do anything else uh, qualitative uh, online. That would have been very boring. And then the rest you did on some sort of software. Did you have to learn these? Um, yeah, for analyzing qualitative data, we used NVivo, which is very recommended in LSE as well. And it's very, very easy to use once you like learn the basics. And for the quantitative, the survey analysis, we used uh, Stata just as uh, LSE also suggests a lot. Um, I didn't have to learn that much of new so softwares because I had learned them, uh, I have learned them before in, in sociology. So that was good. Interesting. Um, I I had learned SPSS during my uh, bachelor's, but then now everyone says it's it's outdated. So I need to use my summer to work on uh, learning more on Stata. No, but you know what? I love SPSS. So I I I always try to when I when I don't know what to uh, how to do something in Stata, I always go back to SPSS because it's very intuitive. Like it has. Like you don't have to do many codings or you don't have to know many syntax names. Like you just work with the data and yeah. I I'm a fan of SPSS. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel better because I thought <laughs> that now I don't need the skill anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. I, and I, I think that they use it a lot still in, at least in household surveys, mm -hmm. SPSS is used a lot because it's one of the few softwares that allows you to really see all the data and have nice tables at the same time. Um, yeah, with the Stata, you kind of like get, like you lose the information from the site. Like SPSS allows you to have another view, especially in household surveys. Wow, thank you. Thank you for these insights. This is super helpful. I, uh, my, my other question would be, uh, you know, with, with all this, um, positive things that we talked about, you know, your favorite things in research, what made you switch from academia to more practical way of um, practicing development? Because I know that, you know, this, this degree is a lot more practical. And um, I, I think we talked about this before as well, that you would want to potentially have a shift from academia to practice. Yeah, because I, I, when I was doing the, uh my research I, I i got suggested so many times like you could just do a phd from here you can do a phd in education and just like start your academic career right away but i don't know like i i always felt that i needed to do something that went beyond the academic journals and beyond teaching before i don't know if i'm not going to do it ever but i i just feel that I need to know how to do things and to have the experience to talk to future students about 
my research or about my what I have to offer to them. Um, and that's why I always had this like um, interest in doing practical things. Like the best teachers I've ever had are the ones that tell you their, like what happened to them by experience, the ones that were when they're in the field and, and they have these insights that, are, that aren't beyond the paper, beyond the textbook. And I really want to gather uh, that experience. I want to, uh, yeah, be, be able to say that I did things and then uh, transmit that to other generations or other students or in my research or in my writing. Um, that's why I've always wanted to go to the practical field. Um, I don't know if it's called a field anymore, but yeah, everything's so like mixed. <laughs> But like the private sector, like how, how can we talk about or research about the private sector if I, we've never been there? Or how can we ever like talk and research about the public sector? If we've never worked in the public sector. Like to me, that's very tricky. Like it's, it's, it's very easy to just like gather data, gather texts and write about them and summarize them. But if you've never been there, if you've never experienced what's like, I don't know, being in the public sector and administrating public funds, how can you ever like really, really talk about that? Um, I, so. I absolutely resonate with you. You know, I'm, I'm such an advocate for, for switching roles during your career because a lot of times uh, the miscommunication that happens between the parties is because one hasn't been in the place of the other and they just do not know what it is like to have those types of challenges. Yeah, totally. Um, in that sense, uh, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sure, but I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to having more experience maybe in consulting because that, that gives you like a very uh, stressful life, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, a lot of experience and practical experience in a few, in a very uh, short amount of time. Uh, so that's, that's one of my options, uh, especially because of that. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Are there any skills that you think you will bring from your um, academia to now your studies at LSE or, uh, you know, moving forward when you graduate and go into the practical field? As you were saying, uh, organizational skills and data management skills are, are things I, I learned in academia and that I think are necessary in any other field that you go to. Maybe you don't have, or I won't have the computing skills or coding skills that other people may have, but that those are things that you can learn in the way, in any, any path that I think anyone chooses. Uh, you just have to be willing to learn. And I think also academia and LSE and studying, that's, that's what you develop. You develop your willingness to learn and your, um, yeah, yeah, your willingness to, try to get to the bottom of things. Uh, and that's, that's something that you need in any job and any field. Um, Interesting. And, um, you know, have there been any transformational uh, ways that LSC has, has made you think about your career and uh, this program, has it contributed anyway? Yeah, I mean, the program has been has been very different from what I expected in the sense that um, well, it says development management, so I was like hoping to get more of the management part, and I think that's something that resonates with uh, other people I have talked to. But at the same time, now we're getting towards the end, 
I am, and we are like sort of wrapping up all the contents and building, um, building up on all of that we have learned. I think um, I have, I have like built on this, like how, how do we, how do we position any, any of the topics that we are interested in within the management of development, the development in countries. And I think that that's that's a key thing. Like, for instance, if I think of higher education, like what's the role of higher education in development? That's definitely have to do with institutions and and how do we regulate higher education institutions? And also, how does how does like collective action work within universities? As we've seen with the strikes, and and that's also development. Like, you can connect development with almost anything um, that's happening out there and any interest that anyone can have. So I think that this broader scope of, okay, like this is not only about a, an institution in particular, not only about like uh, a university, but this is, this is beyond that. And this like broader scope, I think has been very open-minded. And are there any fields in particular that you're becoming more interested in within development? I don't know yet. Like I am interested in everything. <laughs> I don't know. If I can you. totally understand you. <laughs> like I get out of a class and it's like, oh, this this can be my life goal. And then I go to another class and it's like, oh, this can be my life goal as well. <laughs> um, but that's that's a, that's being an LSE student, right? Being interested in everything. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think I am. Um, I got very interested in in more macroeconomic things, like how how the flows of money and the finance are connected to also um, institutional problems and micro uh, scope problems. I think that that connection between the micro and the macro has been one of the things I'm more interested about. Like um, I've taken a couple of optional courses that have to do with that. And okay, as a sociologist, I don't understand all of the accounting and the money things, but but they're still very interesting how you'd like understand like these movements of things be between countries um, in terms of what, the, what it means for a country's development. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's something I'm looking forward to. Wow, interesting. And micro and microeconomics within what type of context? Like, do you want to work with enterprises or? Oh, uh, well, as, as I was saying, maybe consulting can give me um, an insight on that. Uh, I don't know if financial consulting or uh, I'm not sure about that, but like how trade uh, influences uh, the development in countries or um, how, yeah, like the flow, the flow of goods and services impacts on your position in a global value chain. Uh, I think those are things that I didn't ask myself before and that now I am wondering like, okay, like, what, what does it imply for my country to, uh, I don't know, being specialized only in copper? And what, how, what does it mean for our development? What does it mean for our institutions? And yeah, so I think that I'm asking more of those questions. Um, but I, I still don't know where I can find the answer to them. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree with you. There are, there are days where I just realized that whatever I'm studying, uh, I, I can just apply it in so many different ways. 
throughout my career and it's just it's it's quite exciting also it's stressful because as you said you want to do so many things uh you participate in a call that's about food security and you think oh my gosh food security is the most pressing issue right now and then you you hear someone working in the humanitarian sector within ICT and you think wow this is is (laughs) yeah I didn't take this course but I was um listening only to the lectures it was a professor that's called uh, Lloyd Gruber from public policy but he's also a professor in development and all of his slides uh each week began to like what is the key to development and at the end like ah there are so many keys and at the same time there are no keys (laughs) yeah yeah and that's the tricky one yeah because it is also just prevalent in so many other sectors it is not one specific sector to work yeah, like you can you can always think about what are the policy implications, but then maybe not everyone wants to dedicate their life to policy. So okay, like what what do, what does the rest of the uh, people in other sectors do about it? Like, but there is a role. It's not that everything comes into policy. Like people working in the private sector, people working in universities in academia have a lot to say about the keys to development in their own fields. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just more difficult to see because we always think about the policy <laughs> yeah and also policy can just mean so many things if you are working in one field you can work on both policy and practice within the same field or you can just work on the, the idea of policy making in itself yeah completely it's I think that's one of the things I'm like looking forward in the next months before the dissertation like trying to find um ways ways of doing um of getting in the development field that not necessarily imply just like being in the public sector and i think that that's that's one of the richness of our of our peers of our master students like they not not all of them come from the public sector and and that's that that gives a richness in the in talking in what they bring to the master, what like their insights from their own workplace. Um, yeah, I don't know what how you feel about it because you also don't come from like the public sector. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Development can just mean so many things, and even within you know policy making or within one certain field, you can do, for example, food security and then work on just so many aspects of the same field, or you can just do policy making and work on multiple fields. I think uh, personally, um, LSC has, has just made me realize that you can do so many things and be so many things. Yeah, I think I think this has been the most eye-opening part of the masters. Like um not only in terms of the class but getting to know so many people that are so different to me uh and that are interested in common things and finding common grounds in the seminars um trying to engage in like discussions on how to solve issues or how how do we understand issues from definitely uh different perspectives i think that's that's been the most uh like like the the most uh, insightful part of the program. Absolutely. Those, even those lunch conversations that we have, you know, in my country, this is the way we do this aspect or that aspect. I think it's just such an eye-opening experience. Totally. And and even the seminars in 
in DV431, like, I don't know, now we're having to group ourselves and, okay, if you were the public sector, what, how would you react to this problem? If you were the private sector, how do you think we would have to react to, to the problem? And that's, that's also like, wow, you have to put, like, put yourself in the shoes of people that are really working um, to solve issues or to um, have an, a job uh, related to different problems. Um, and then it's tricky because like it, you get very easily in academia, you get very easy uh, used to criticizing everything, criticizing all of the positions that are out there, that everything is bad, everything is messed up. And then you're like, okay, if you're like in this position, what do you do? And it's like, oh, it's not, it's not that easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're gonna be just there afterwards, so. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I took this this course in my bachelor's in, in public policy. And it was just so hard to make those decisions because somehow someone is always affected. Yeah, so you have to always make, uh, try to include all of them. There, there are always people who are going to be winning and losing in any issue. Um, and you cannot you cannot solve everyone's life at the same time. And that's also... That's also very hard to learn. It's very hard to understand it and to digest it, but it's definitely something we have had to learn in this program. Absolutely. And, and that's the dilemma of social sciences. It's such a beautiful thing, but then it's just full of so many dilemmas. It is. Um, so my last question is, I know that you are planning to go back to Chile once we graduate and, you know, work there. Uh, what can people expect when they visit Chile? You know, I, I tell you all the time that I'm coming to visit you in Santiago yeah. and, you know, maybe spend some time there. But uh, I personally don't know what to expect. You know, what's your what's your favorite thing about Chile? Um, yeah, so I, so I have told, I think everyone I've talked to in the masters, you're all most invited to my country. It's in a very south corner of the world, but we are nice people. <laughs> and what you can expect is that we will be very warm and, and people are going to be very willing to help you. If someone, um, if you're lost in the street, you will most probably have someone trying to <laughs> figure out how to help you out. And that's, that's like a richness um, of Latin countries, of, of my country in particular. Uh, you can also expect to see very beautiful sites. Uh, the landscape is amazing. The nature is amazing. Uh, I, in particular, haven't been able to uh, travel around my country that much. And that's something I'm looking forward to do yet. You can expect these deserts, glaciers. You can expect uh, very tall, ancient uh, trees and forests. Um, you can expect lakes. <laughs> I'm selling my country, but that, <laughs> I think it's a great place to live, as I've told you so many times. Like, um, and you can expect that nice people above all, people willing to help you and to give you a hand and spend some time with you show you around even if it's not the best place or it's the most like amazing architecture but you will expect people to be proud of their country <laughs> and they just uh it just kind of reminds me of the universality of just being human you know everyone is just so proud of their own uh heritage yeah. and their own culture and they just they just people just want to help each other yeah, and also I think, at least for me, the experience of being out of my country has 
has given me uh, more, more um, has increased my love for my country in a sense. Like I, I value and I treasure things and I miss things that I didn't know I would miss. And I think that's very valid. Like, so many people are like, no, I really want to go away and, and like live the experience of being an international student. But, but I think also the richness of being an international student is, is treasuring and, and adding value to things you didn't know had value before. I don't know if that's the case for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think uh, we all just kind of come to the same conclusion that, you know, you treasure your country, you treasure your own culture and heritage and people and friends and family. But then I think the best way to grow is to take some breaks and go abroad, talk to people, learn that basically we're all the same. And as, as diverse as we are, I think that's the most beautiful thing, you know, enrich, enrich our, our knowledge about these countries, but then also understand that so many things are just universal. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. And at the end, it, everything is about human connections, right? So you build connections and, and those connections are accompanying you in the rest of your way. Uh, and you can come back to them. Maybe you won't see them in a long time, but then you still know that they are there. Uh, and that's also the richness of being here, building those connections. Yeah, yeah. Just um, my, my, my last question is, what's, what's your favorite thing about London since we talked about your favorite things in Chile? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say um, definitely Camden Town. I don't know if... Uh, they have given the tip in past uh, podcasts, but um, I, I live very nearby and it's a very nice neighborhood. It's, very, it's a very alive neighborhood uh, during the day and during the night, has many places to go, nice coffees uh, to study. It's next to Regent's Park. It's very easy to bike everywhere or to walk everywhere. So I think Camden Town would be my go-to place. I have been once or twice, but very briefly. I think I need to um, grow more into Camden Town, everyone. Yeah, you need to come and visit me more often. Yes, exactly. I, I think that's just my bad. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go again, we'll go again. We have the whole summer. Exactly, exactly. We have the whole summer to work on our dissertation from wherever we want, including Camden Town or the yeah. university campus. Yeah, we, we will manage. Don't worry about it. Come and we'll still be there. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Maria. Um, we were here with Maria Jose Lopez Signorelli. We spoke about her experience making a transition from academia to practice in the field of international development. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and stay tuned for our future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.